0: Hello and welcome to Meet Our Makers, an artist interview podcast produced in association with Beats Per Minute. I'm your host, Jeremy J. On this episode, we get to meet actress and writer Ileana Douglas. Ileana Douglas is probably best known as an actor. She has been in films as widely varied as Cape Fear, To Die For, all the way to Ghost World. She is also an accomplished writer. She published a memoir a few years ago called I Blame Dennis Hopper, and now she has her second book just released called Connecticut in the Movies. In this chat, Ileana and I bond a bit over the fact that we are both from Connecticut, we are both raised in Connecticut, and we are really excited to really delve into what Connecticut's reputation has been in the movies, how it's altered, transformed, morphed over the years to reflect both cultural truths and also some misconceptions. We talk about what it looks like nowadays in the movies and where she kind of hopes it goes from here. It was a great chat and a really great opportunity to really get into the cinematic history of my state and of her state, and I really suggest you go find a copy of the book. Now as of the date of this recording, the SAG strike was still going on and actors were pretty much not able to discuss their film work very much, especially anything new. And Ileana lays out those sort of ground rules for us early on. Um, I decided not to remove that piece, even though as of today, November 11th, the SAG strike is over, which is great news for Hollywood and for movie fans and the industry in general. But be that as it may, we had plenty to talk about with just the book. So much to discuss, including things like, why are people always drinking in Connecticut movies? And how did Mystic Pizza become sort of an emblematic film of our state and much more? Thank you for listening. Please enjoy. This is me meeting Ileana Douglas.
1: Hi there. Hi. Oh, well, look at those guitars. Now, do you play or are they...
0: No, I do. I mean, I'm not like a pro, but yeah, I do. And I have a problem with buying too many.
1: <laughs> oh, same with my brother. My brother plays a lot of guitars, so that's... yeah. I was asking, and a really good friend of mine is a very famous guitar maker named Danny Farrington. I don't know if mm. you've ever heard of No, heard I haven't. Him. Oh, yeah, look him up. He's made guitars for, you know, George Harrison. and Oh, wow. Everybody. Yeah, yeah
0: at some point, I, I, I'm self-taught. That's why I say I'm not a pro, because I've probably plateaued yeah. at this point. But um, I still play all the time. But at some point, someone showed me this website called American Music Supply. That, uh-huh. lets, that lets you buy instruments with payment plans that are not credit that are not credit based and it's been very dangerous for me but i've been good good. i haven't bought any in a while um thank you so much for hanging out for a little bit yes no worries um yeah i see your i see your book right there i i yes uh, i have my copy right here Um, awesome picked it up over the weekend from rj julia in middletown awesome Um, yeah i don't know I don't know if you were made aware. I am also Connecticut based. So this no, is, yeah. So this, I, yeah. It. No, yeah. I don't know. Uh, so this is, uh, very cool for me that this book even exists.
1: Yeah. It's fun, right? Yeah. You can, yeah. You can say this is, these are all these, and there, you know, there'll be at least five things I'm sure that you, I don't know, either didn't know about or hopefully, uh, you know, but it, I, uh, hopefully again, they will, it'll lead to a more serious recognition. I think of Connecticut cinema, you know, that was really the, the point of the book.
0: Yeah, no, and I, I think it will. I hope it will. Um, even as a, as a lifelong Connecticut resident, I, there were lots of things I didn't know. I mean, I, I haven't read it, um, fastidiously cover to cover, but I looked through it over the past couple of days and, I was like, oh, and I never knew that, or oh, I never even heard of that film, let alone knew it was shot or, you know, took place here. So yeah, it's it's yeah. been cool to sort of thumb through and see all the the little gems that we don't maybe all know about.
1: I know. Go yeah. or you you can go on a road trip and visit all the places.
0: Yeah. No, I know. That's a good idea. Um, yeah, and as someone who has loved film since I was a teenager and stayed here for college, even though everyone who said I needed to go somewhere else to study film, uh, you know, it, it, it was very pleasing to me when I saw that this book was coming out. So, and also, you know, you say early in the book, whenever you were, um, when you were young and whenever you heard about a movie that took place here or was shot here, it kind of like, Oh, yeah, you know, piqued your interest. So I've been that way too. And I've also been that way when I find out, um, you know, actors or singers or musicians that I like were from here. So I, I had known that you had grown up here. Yeah. um, So it makes total sense to me that that this book is, is from you because it's like this love letter to this long history of, of cinema in in this state.
1: Yeah. Oh, thanks. (laughs) Yes. That was the point. Yeah. So Um, so, anyway, I hope people like,
0: (laughs) I hope people do too. And I hope people buy it. Um, and support your local bookstores please go yeah oh, go to the, go R- to small bookstores yeah,
1: yeah they're great rj julia is awesome i yeah. think i'm doing an event with them um i'm going to be at the kate november 15th and mm-hmm. mark twain house november 30th and uh R- but i'm doing rj julia's in madison and then we're trying to figure out an event actually with janine uh, basinger okay. from wesleyan of course so yeah that would be really amazing
0: yeah, that'd be cool, and that'd be much closer to me. I'd love, to, I'd love to go <laughs> to one of these because these kinds of things don't come our way too often. So that's kind I of know. fun when they do. Yeah. Um, so before we, I have a lot of questions. I was writing notes sure. today, and I have a lot of questions about this book um, and about okay. some of the films in it. Um, yeah. Before we dive into that, I do want to quickly acknowledge the ongoing SAG strike. Mm -hmm. Um, because a lot of people who may listen to this will know you as an actor first um, and a writer second. Um, And so I have been given a little bit of guidance as to what that means for our talk, but can you like briefly run down for people listening kind of what the ground rules are here for our conversation?
1: Well, again, unfortunately, you know, it just means I can't really you know talk about my career or promoting right. films that you know that I'm that i'm in 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 some instances if people have a film out that they're promoting they've received a waiver from sag mm-hmm. but just in in support of my uh my union it's just better to you know not uh to do everything in support of the strike and hopefully they will resolve it very soon so that's yeah. all
0: yeah, I hope so too. Was it just today yeah. that we got the unfortunate news that the talks were abandoned again?
1: I don't know. It's uh, <laughs> It's just, like every day. Yeah. It's
0: like every day. I know. Hopefully it ends soon. I'm glad um I'm glad the screenwriters got got some some headway there, but yeah, the the actors are still on the picket lines, so I know. It is what it is. Um all right. So, this book called we haven't even said the name, Connecticut in the Movies yes uh, came out uh almost 10 days ago now it's very fresh um so i'm curious then and i i read the intro so i i, I feel like i know a little bit of this but i'm curious then mm-hmm. after so much time in the film industry and you this is your second book i think uh-huh. my second right? book right so book what was writing. sort of the spark for you that made you go okay this is the book i need to write right now
1: well, in the uh, I write a little bit in the introduction this idea that you mentioned before was always percolating in my head every time, you know, if a character was from Connecticut or if the movie was set in Connecticut, it always seemed to connote something about the person or it was a punchline or it was evocative of something very bad happening to somebody. And you know, for instance, uh, Alfred Hitchcock in the movie Rope, as I use as an example in the introduction, even though the story was based on Leopold and Loeb and takes place in Chicago, he decided to move the story that they're that they go to Yale and they're they've killed their friend and they're going to bury. They make a big deal. They they say it a number of times that they're going to go up to visit their mother who has a country house in Connecticut. And Mm. that's where the, that's where they're going to bury the body. And every time he says, we're going to Connecticut for the weekend, you know, he just, it just says something, which you don't quite know what it is, but as an audience member, you go, something really bad's going on in Connecticut (laughs) because I grew up here. That, that idea always fascinated me. So then cut to, I'm working for for a site called Trailers from Hell, and I'm doing essays for them. And I did an essay on the movie The Swimmer. I was shocked that nobody had ever done an essay on them. So I did a very involved essay uh, about the swimmer. And people were just really, you know, liked it quite a bit. And it involved my um a little talking a little bit about my friendship with Frank Perry, who I who I knew when I worked for a film publicist named Peggy Peggy Siegel. And so then when COVID happened and everything, the whole world was kind of shut down. Uh, and we I just felt like I was in free fall of there had been a script that a film script that I was working on and trying just about to get produced and everything was suddenly like everything's out the window Mm -hmm. and you left your left your own devices and i suddenly started to think i'm gonna write about that you know i'm gonna write about connecticut movies and at first i thought well maybe it'll just be a very long essay about some of the things that we're talking about this idea of light and dark and i just started out and i wrote an expanded version of the swimmer but I didn't, it was sort of free form. I said, I think I'm just going to start writing about movies that are in Connecticut and see if there's a possible premise to put this all together in a Mm. book. And and as I had uh, the second film I worked on was Stanley and Iris. And that's when I really knew there was a book because the film is not only about, uh, you know, the workers who worked in Waterbury, but it's about Waterbury hmm. for me. So much is it's about the industrial, you know, the the how Waterbury was once, even though we still call it Brass City, we don't I never really knew why it was called Brass City. It's like we we name these that we say oh, it's the, oh it's the quiet little corner of Connecticut. Yeah, I'm but I'm I, from
0: Meriden, which is the Silver City. So it's the same idea. <laughs>
1: Right. So we don't. And nobody ever thinks of Connecticut as having this really, really grand industrial past. And so as I got into Stanley and Iris. And in the film, they're working in a bakery. But in fact, it was a former button factory. And this button factory had been so famous that, you know, they supplied all the buttons for the military. They supplied buttons that were in the film Gone with the Wind. Hmm. And it was just this thriving, uh, you know, industrial town that was mentioned in the first few lines of Death of a Salesman. And that's when I knew I had a book because I said, "Okay, Stanley and Iris is not only about Stanley and Iris, Robert De Niro. Robert De Niro turns out has made more films in Connecticut than any other actor. That's strange. I never knew that. jane fonda comes to waterbury to do the film she's picketed she's protested she's this you know they they, there was a big i mean if you go back and i go into detail in the book the people from waterbury at the time were they tried to shut the film down oh wow they were not they were not happy that jane fonda was in waterbury which led to her having some sit-downs with veterans um that all happened. Then the director, Martin Ritt, uh, who directed HUD, which was the film my grandfather was in. And he came out of uh, the actor studio and the group theater. So you have all these different veins, I guess, but they all lit led back to Connecticut. And I, my thesis was, is the movie, does it somehow have another layer because it's made in Connecticut and did did Jane Fonda's experiences in Waterbury permeate her performance in Stanley and Iris? Mm. And I I would have to say that they did. So I, you know, I found th- that was my criteria for the films that I chose. It's not enough just to say, you know, for, for me anyway, in my in this book, was okay, it's yeah, there's lots of movies, and they say it's Connecticut or they, they used the New Haven or something like that, but um, I wanted it to be something that really stood out and showcased a part of the state for everybody. Just to say, here's this book. Here's who we are. We, you know, we need an identity. I feel like Boston has an identity, and Massachusetts has an identity, and New York has an identity, and Connecticut doesn't really have an identity. Part of that's is it feels like it's by choice, Mm. kind of like, leave us alone. We we don't (laughs) want to be, we don't want anything to change and, you know, don't bother us. But there's, there has to be a reason that Eugene O'Neill and Arthur Miller and Lillian Hellman and Scott Fitzgerald and uh, uh, Calder, the famous sculptor, that all of these people have chosen to live and work. In Connecticut and I'm not even getting into the amazing amount of actors and it's something beyond its proximity to New York City because they could live in New Jersey or upstate New York but they choose Connecticut and I and I wanted to write about that I was just kind of fascinated and that was one of the great you know things about having all of that time is I, I, I had no, no editor to, to say, you know, no one's interested in a book about Connecticut movies. It was something (laughs) I wanted to do to kind of write about, you know, where I was from through these films. And then the weird part of it was Finding myself like kind of missing Connecticut and then ultimately deciding to move back here. That was not (laughs) at all in the plan, but that's what happened.
0: So it kind of made you like re fall in love with the state.
1: Yes. Because as I was writing about, you know, again, you have a thesis and you're writing about your through line, you're like, well, it is sort of odd film after film after film where. You know, a sophisticated New Yorker it comes to Connecticut, he's in touch with real people doing real things with real values and decides that there's a better way to live and a more, you know, in the country, near nature, you get in touch with yourself. You find the person you really love. You know, this happens again and again and again in these in these films in the 1930s. But it's still a trope that occurs in a modern film, which I like quite a bit, which is called The Family Stone, which is Mm -hmm. a sort of overlooked modern Christmas film. Terrific acting in it all the way around. But in this case, Sarah Jessica Parker plays a very jaded career gal. And she goes home for Christmas to meet Dermot Mulroney and his family. And the movie was shot in uh, Greenwich, at a, ha- a Victorian house in Ven- in in Greenwich. And being around real people and real folk, she you know she discovers who she really is, and she changes, and it's transformational. And I found myself imagining that when I was writing in Los Angeles like this fantasy of can you really exist and have a career outside of Hollywood? And then I'm writing about Paul Newman and Joanne Woodward. I'm like, well, they did it. And (laughs) it's look at Arthur Miller. He's going to his studio and rock, you know, and there were, there was like fact after fact, after fact of people really being able to have a great career even though they lived in the country
0: yeah and it does seem like historically it's been this sort of hidden secret almost like this open secret that like these hollywood types and theater types can can come to the country which is really just an hour away yeah but it feels so different and it can feel so removed and sometimes that's what people needed but you're right like why didn't they go to upstate new york why didn't they go to north Jersey? I don't know. There's something about it.
1: Yes. And that's what I write about that. The difference between, uh, you know, the suburbs of of New York and Westchester Mm. are very, very different than the suburbs of Greenwich and Fairfield and Darien and Stamford. It's a completely different vibe, you
0: know. Yeah, and you mentioned the film that takes place in Waterbury, but a lot of the films you mentioned do take place closer to the city, right? They take place or they're filmed in Fairfield County, Litchfield County, um, along the border a little bit, maybe Shoreline. I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. you mentioned Mystic Pizza, which we'll talk about in a few minutes, yeah. but that's the other side of the Shoreline. There's not a lot of cities like, you know, like gritty city life and i do feel like as a as a connecticut person that that is kind of a misconception that we that we like don't have that yeah but we have we have both ends of the spectrum for some reason so many of the stories i think tend toward the more countryside aspect right you know the small town kind of feel
1: right the idyllic Mm -hmm. and yet you get into a movie like boomerang which was based on a murder that happened in 1924 in Bridgeport and uh, unsolved murder. To this day, it's unsolved. The priest Mm. was, was killed. Nobody knows who killed him. There was tremendous pressure to find, you know, the murderer and the police pinned the murder on this soldier. They coerced a confession out of him. And then the local prosecutor, whose name was Homer Cummings, um went to interview him and there was a tremendous amount of pressure on him to convict the guy and this is like this great connecticut story that i never had heard about where he stands up in court and gives this very famous speech in connecticut versus Harold israel where he says it's just as important to protect the innocent as it is to convict uh the guilty and basically switches sides and gets the mm. guy off. And then that's the the whole basis of this movie. And mm. it, took, it took place in Bridgeport and it talks about, you know, dirty small town politics. Um, and it was such a hot button issue that even in 1947, Bridgeport wouldn't let them shoot it there. They had to shoot the whole movie in Stanford. Wow. Um, and so again, you have, that is like, you know, gritty, Film noir, kind of, you know, big city, small and mid mid range city politics. You know yeah. that you would see just like a movie that you would see and expect with like Chicago. That's all happening here, but like you said, you just don't see many movies about it, and so the representation that we have in films is suburbia, dark suburbia,
0: wealth, that kind of thing
1: exactly wealth privilege right there's that but uh, there's so much more and again that's what the book uh, proves is like here here's a look at the entire state you know
0: yeah so you mentioned you mentioned noir you've mentioned a couple other films so far of different styles and that was one of the things that i i found most uh intriguing and most sort of involving about the book was the way you you've sectioned the book off it's almost each section has its own style or own sort of um lens that this whatever assortment of films is, is looking through um so the first one that i wanted to touch on that caught my eye was the suburban sex comedy um yes. which of which there are so many <laughs> yes um, but i found sure. it interesting that they mostly seemingly you know boomed in the 50s and 60s yeah. um but what do you think it was about this kind of story that Connecticut felt like it made sense? Or like, does it say something about small town life that these stories take place here?
1: I I mean, I went into it. I wouldn't have included, you know, first of all, no one has ever done a series, which I just thought would be interesting. Like let's do a serious study of sex comedies Paul Newman, isn't. they're all, everybody, they did so many of them, and they all take place in Connecticut. And so in my theory that what I write about is that in the film Mr. Blanding's Builds His Dream House, this concept of moving to Connecticut really worked, and people moved here, but then there becomes this kind of period of adjustment where we're in Connecticut, There's no bars around like there's no you don't go to the corner bar. There's Mm -hmm. not a lot to do. And this idea of cocktail parties, drinking, uh, you know, wife swapping, it all starts to appear. In in these in these films, and the other thing that I thought was sort of strange about them is that all the men are now commuting. He's so like in in Mr. Blanding's, he wants to, his family is involved in this whole decision and they move to the country and the kids are very present in the film. Once you get to the sex comedies, the kids are like props or they're shoved off to the side. There's a movie called, which is one of my favorites, it's wall to wall, like drinking and smoking, is that where Shelley Winters, Janet Lee. In the film, she's a dentist who gives up her career for her husband, Van Johnson, so he can become a writer. And they move to Connecticut so that he can write, but he gets an apartment in New York City (laughs) so he can, you know hang out and have an affair with his publisher it's so he's going back and forth and she's the neglected housewife now stuck in connecticut and shelly winters comes over with her gay best friend who's happens to be an interior direct interior decorator you know code for he's gay right and she gives her tips on you're going to have to become like a great part party giver and she, there's a, a very long scene where she tells her it's really important to have vodka, because in Connecticut, people only drink vodka. And I'm re- watching these movies, and I'm going, okay, is this because people... It, it is this well-heeled playground off yeah. from New York, or is it because these successful writers you know one of them is jay press and allen is it because they really were living in connecticut and these things were really going on yeah uh it's kind of you know half and half but um i don't know but suddenly the women specifically really shift from Myrna Loy and Blandings, where she's directly involved in the plot. Now you almost have two separate plots. Where you know there's another like horrendous movie called The Tunnel of Love, where Doris Day somehow they again they they can't have children. We never really figure out <laughs> why. They're talking about adopting, but then Richard Widmark like. Makes a drunken pass at the it's so confi- at the adoption a- agency woman that Doris Day gets mad, but somehow he ends up spending the night with the woman. It sounds, it sounds
0: like a screwball comedy.
1: Yeah, and then the woman comes back and she has a child and wants them to have the child. It's like it is it, this and. Doris Day thinks Richard Widmark fathered the child. If you take away the idea of that it's a sex comedy, it's like, okay, these plots are insane. Like they're <laughs> completely, people are drinking, spending the night in hotels, and, you know, uh, But it's very I find it to be fascinating because they're they're breaking down all these sort of social mores, you know. Mm -hmm. And and the Tunnel of Love was directed by Gene Kelly, who also directed. I don't know if you've ever seen the absolutely horrendous but fun Guide for the Married Man.
0: No, I haven't.
1: (laughs) Oh, my God. That was the early 60s. But um And then you have this other thing with Richard Widmark, who actually was living in Connecticut, too. And so I found it all to be kind of uh, kind of fascinating because he in the movie, his character moves to Connecticut to be he wants to be an artist. There's always something like they. They leave their advertising agency, you know, to become an artist, or he he's here in Connecticut to be a writer. And yet you have these real instances again and again and again where you do have these writers living in Connecticut. So I I'm never really sure. Yeah. But um uh but I found it fascinating and they just get worse and worse and worse. <laughs> And dar- until you get to, you know, the guy, the the secret life of an American wife where she is, has an affair to spice up her marriage. And I'm like, oh, OK, so there's no veneer anymore. Right. And then they kind of fade away.
0: Yeah, that's interesting, too, that con- that that idea of like, well, which came first? Are they displaying these mores just because that's how it was? Or are these films trying to comment on these mores or challenge these mores a little bit and i guess it can be hard to to tell now in retrospect because we don't know what was going on necessarily at the time but then you do have films like secret life of an american wife that are so bluntly about what they're about and it feels like there's no questioning it this is supposed to be like revealing something some truth about the state of things you know what's going on um and there, that was my other note I had for that section, too, is like this idea of stereotyping and how there is kind of this Connecticut cliche of the well-to-do wealthy family, tons of liquor, always a martini mm-hmm. in hand, like that kind of thing. And yeah. I, I don't know if that's died away or, or if it just became a punchline again. I'm not really sure what happened, but it was so prevalent in the 50s and 60s films.
1: I think it morphed into... Films like Thoroughbreds, which is, again, a really terrific, mm-hmm. I put it in, I, I didn't even want to put it as a horror movie, because I, I put it in what I call dark suburbia redux, you know, yeah. again, just this kind of arty way of looking at at suburbia, but abs, absolutely terrific film mm-hmm. about the well-heeled, and it's morphed into you know what was the sex comedy is now just dark suburbia or another film something about kevin again you have sort of wealthy people just doing horrible things to each, each other now or horrible things happening you know
0: yeah um so yeah you mentioned the dark suburbia that was the other section but the first dark suburbia i wanted to touch on because um that was where the swimmer comes up um, yes, the Burt Lancaster film, The Swimmer. You cite it in the book as the best example of this subgenre, and I'm just curious: how does that film kind of illuminate for us what you mean by dark suburbia? How does that best fit that one?
1: I think it goes, you know, it goes back to the original source that it's written by John Cheever. I don't think you can you can't think of Connecticut without thinking of John Cheever and the, you know, some some of the things that he has written about in the one aspect of connecticut which is that you know feeling of not belonging of somehow no matter what you do i don't did you have to come over on the mayflower i don't know there's always a feeling that even though you you do the right things that you're not in the right guard you're not you know accepted in the garden club or you're mm. not in, the, in the high school you're not in the right group or your parents didn't do the kind of right you know i had a kind of a hippie childhood so again that you know there is still is in in connecticut a very much standard of what is the way you're supposed to live and hold yourself and mm-hmm. those kind of things are very You're not supposed to be a show off. You're not supposed to do anything sort of too showy. So there's those puritanical elements um, that I think Cheever captured, you know, so incredibly in all of his books. So then what I love about the film is that it is it, to me, it is the complete deconstruction of suburbia, which is, a man's everything that we thought we wanted, which was a nice house in the country and upward mobility, is has destroyed him. So when we meet him, you know, he's a nowhere man. It, it, why is he a nowhere man? I mean, we, pro- we can assume he was probably in advertising. You know, so all these things that we were laughing about before sex comedies. And now it's just like uh, this is without any humor at all this is like this man who is who has kind of lost you know everything and as he goes in each pool and you know and swims the length of the pool it's like each each episode when he comes out he hopes that somehow this is all a dream you know right. it's not and i just think it's such an incredible film from the very opening of the movie where, you know, you see this deer and I you can't think of Connecticut without thinking of there's just deer everywhere. <laughs> and uh, this deer is looking at something we don't know what it's looking at. And then this man comes out of the woods and he's wearing a bathing suit and he crosses the Merritt Parkway. And it's just this weird jumble of images. And I'm like, yeah, that's Connecticut. You know, there, <laughs> it's it's idyllic in nature but then very strange things happen and it's like this little enclave onto itself. That's very kind of hard to describe. And I think that um, I think the movie just nails it. Uh, Mm. And I think Burt Lancaster also, because it's a deconstruction of his own persona as a movie star. And the fact that like I was saying with Jane Fonda, he was 50 years old when he made the movie um i think he did, was going through a divorce he chose to do he desperately wanted to play this part why mm. did he want to play this part i found that interesting spends the whole movie like wearing a bathing suit like walking around <laughs> it just must have been such a strange and then so many of the places where they you know where they shot these houses. And I went back to look at some of the houses. And you know, there I found a real estate advertisement where the part of the selling of the house was Bert Lancaster, you know, swam in this pool and they used this house in the swimmer as if that was a good thing. <laughs> like it's the darkest. It's like, why do you remember that the swimmer was like about the most depressing <laughs> that is that the house in suburbia is what killed him? But it's to me, it's about, and I wonder. I would like to get your opinion on this. Does Connecticut sometimes have misplaced values?
0: Oh, I'm sure it does. Um, What do you mean specifically?
1: The money, wealth, going to an Ivy League school, whether you went to Yale or not, right? No, yeah. there are these things that are still in place in the way that they you know d- does it tie back to england you know i don't i don't know
0: but yeah. um uh, no i'm sure we do and it's it, it there is a certain fascination with those kinds of things i think around here um especially probably in the more upper class families and upper class yeah. households i think that sort of that tethering to how things used to be or how what we used to want maybe is still really prevalent I, i'm not entirely sure we are of course we do have yale we have one of the most famous ivy league schools we have wesleyan we have other great colleges are kind of known for that and so there is sort of a pressure maybe built in to that mm-hmm. um and then what that even means, you know, that identity of what that means to then go to one of those colleges and to be from one of those colleges and and to be from that that layer of society that that must still be a point of fascination for some for some folks around here.
1: Yeah. The um and Wesleyan is interesting because again, it's in this very industrial town of Middletown, and yet. Wesleyan seems somewhat it's like isolated within itself and it doesn't really associate yeah much with Middletown and, no it's
0: it's its own little town the campus is kind of its own little town
1: yeah so yeah. so you know so that's sort of uh fascinating but the um the beginning of the movie he's he's talking to someone and they're talking about you know uh, they're they're always they're hung over and there was a big party last night and they're they're talking about going to another party, and then um, he mentions these people called the Byswangers. Now, are the Byswangers are they Jewish? I, you know, we don't. It it seems maybe they've got a weird name. And the woman says, "Those awful people, the the Byswanger." She keeps saying, "Now that's directly from the Cheever, you know, short okay. story." She goes. The Those by swangers, those awful people who live on Red Coat Road. Now, I just let, you know, if we live in Connecticut, those are, we pass roads and they have, we just know what that means. Now, why do we know what that means? Yeah. They, we, we differentiate people by the road that they live on and say, oh, he, he lives on. And if it's cert- a certain road means new money, a certain you know versus old money, for sure. And, and I was trying to, and that's why again, I think the, you know, the book is so important in in explaining again and not shying away from the dark aspects for of 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 Connecticut, but saying, but this is what makes it fa- a fascinating state to me. Yeah, you know, because I, I could just write about it you know forever and ever
0: yeah and i mean that's where we get films like stepford wives that that sort of heightening of something that really was real this this desperate seeking of identity and of place and uh, yes it's a very heightened almost horror style film but like it's getting at something that probably was a real phenomenon and kind of still is probably to some degree because you're right i mean I don't know if it's biased because we live in a small state, but we all you're right. We all know what that means. And we've all done that as at least as children. We've probably grown up knowing certain things or thinking we know certain things about different areas or different towns or streets. It's very strange.
1: Yeah. It's very and, strange. I, I, and it's, you know, and it's still it's still here. Mm-hmm. And so it's something that you, you know, I wanted to. I just want you know wanted to to write about and 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 cover and you know I just there you know when you're in when you're in Guilford and I wrote about making a movie in Guilford and I love you know I love Guilford but Guilford is also an enclave for a lot of New Yorkers and so the people within Guilford are like oh there's New York license plates and you know mm-hmm. that's something my mom is like look at all these New York license plates you know? <laughs> new yorkers coming in here and changing what we want to do and yeah so i don't know it's always that 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 um you know that that balance but i it's an incredible first of all it's just an incredible movie and frank perry is is a a, a great kind of almost overlooked filmmaker i think you know
0: hmm. all right so let's talk about mystic pizza yeah so let's... Mystic Pizza, as you say in the book, although I think anyone from Connecticut probably already knows this, that it really probably is the best known Connecticut film. It was a hit. It was sort of an indie film that became pretty big. And I mean, as you say in the book, as you sort of quip in the book, it says has the town right in the name. I mean, like, if you don't, if you have no idea that that town exists, and you just think it's about like mythical pizza you're going to look that up and you're going to find out it's a town and it's like inevitable that we're going to all connect this to connecticut um do you think it's 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 a fitting film to be like our emblematic film
1: i i mean in some ways i do because it's it's a little bit closer to where i grew up Mm. and again i don't think connecticut is ever known for it's fishermen or Portuguese people or right. even mystic seaport. People maybe know mystic seaport, but they don't know that how important ships and shipping and fishermen and captains were. Again, this is a whole part of Connecticut and nobody even thinks about. And so when I was a kid and the movie came out, I was just excited to have a movie that was more about the areas that i knew you know new london and old saybrook essex that that part of connecticut yeah um and it was the first movie that i saw that actually used the word townies now people don't (laughs) people don't say that anymore but that was something that people used to say Mm. you know counties and i was like yeah they got you know and and amy holden jones who wrote the script and she had wanted to direct it but they they wouldn't let her direct it uh she lived in mystic and the whole you know writing of the movie was somewhat accidental as i write in in the book it, it came about because she she and her husband were on their way to maine and they were looking for a good place to get fried clams and they heard mm-hmm. about a place in mystic and they stopped. And she saw the sign Mystic Pizza and said, oh, that would be a good, you know, title for a movie and then wrote the movie and then ended up just like I write again and again, ended up moving to Mystic and living in Mystic. So that's why I think the the film has so much in it that is uh, very truthful. I, you know, we don't, I mean, I wrote about it in a way I said, you know, we don't, talk about movies like feel-good movies anymore it's sort of gone out of fashion but this is a was a feel-good movie like a coming of age of these three girls one's gonna go to Yale you know yeah there you go you know and Cause She's smart. And, you know, one is using her looks and one's going to work in a pizza parlor. And yet they're all friends. And I, I think it is very, very reflective of Connecticut that we have friendships here. I mean, I don't know about you, but there's people that I know, you know, from when I was a kid doing theater and we still our friends and we know each other cause you know, we, we maybe because it's a small state, but I, and I, I thought it captured a lot of parts of Connecticut that had not been, um, you know, had not been covered before.
0: Yeah. Uh, do you think that that sort of friendship and, and, and the strength of that friendship that comes through in the writing, do you think that's kind of what helped take this movie off because there were other Connecticut films with huge stars and, Yet it took until this film for there to be a landmark Connecticut movie, and it it made a lot of money. It did really well, and it's still well liked. It's still well thought of. I mean, is that sort of maybe why it worked? Because it's a, it's a small story, takes place in a small town. It's you know one of those movies where not a ton happens, you know, but it's about what's yeah. what's actually happening. Um, but it really took off.
1: I think it just really, I mean, there's a scene uh, that to me just really resonated that this is like my childhood when they go, you know, they have a local place where they are playing pool and drinking with their crowd, which is very blue collar. Mm -hmm. And uh, then the rich kids, the rich preppy kids come in and he sort of spots Julia Roberts But his friend, his girl who's with him is like, how could you even look at that, that girl, you know, that townie, that low class (laughs) townie. And, you know, you, you it it, it says right out in front that there's like this class system, you know, going on. And there's scenes of Julia Roberts where, you know, she's not smart enough to go to Yale and she's looking outside the restaurant at him inside the restaurant. She thinks he's on a date with someone, but I think it did capture a part of Connecticut that I certainly related to was that feeling of if I don't have the money to go to Yale and I don't come from a good family, like what are my what are my options here? What right. what am I gonna do? And I think that that's something that nobody ever really talks about again in Connecticut. And I think it's a genuine issue and, and an issue to this day, you know, I mean, I'm we,
0: I'm a high school teacher, so I, I see it. I see it a lot.
1: Yeah. It's not like, you know, when I, you know, it's not like we're, and again, the book is this blueprint to say you can be an artist, you can be a writer. Look at all these great people that came out of Connecticut, but it's so much like, you need to go to vocational school and you need to go to yale mm-hmm. and i and, and there and i think that mystic pizza definitely it seems simplistic but they they i just think they nailed uh a kind of a teenage you know right before you go to college experience and i think that that's why you don't see too many female bonding movies like that where all the girls are they support each other they're working together the owner of the pizza place is a woman you know and you know obviously it's it's flawed movie but uh but i it still held up i hadn't seen it in years and it was so much fun again to revisit these films and and see that wow this has a this is a genuine, you know, kind of origin of of really a real, a true Connecticut film.
0: Yeah, I do. I want to shout out, not that she'll ever listen, but I do want to shout out quickly because I know everyone thinks of this as Julie Roberts is like right before she got famous movie. And she's yeah. lovely in it. And I love Lily Taylor and everything including six feet under which you pop up in at one point and that's like yes. my favorite show of all time yeah <laughs> um but i want to shout out annabeth gish because whenever i watch this movie her performance oh, so good and it's beautiful it's like it's like this is the kind of thing where i'll watch it now and obviously this is i watch it years removed from from when it first came out but i'm like what why not why didn't her star just take off because her performance in that film is so subtle and so heartbreaking and so moving, I just think it's like I a agree. wonderful, a wonderful piece of acting. I'm always, I'm always sort of in awe of her in that film. She, she does so much with so, with so little in her face and in her voice. It's so good.
1: Yeah, and her, I, I it's, it, it, it's really her story. I mean, even though it's about the three girls, yeah, it's really her story. And, it, and again, when she's riding. Her scooter, you know, around Mystic. You really believe that she grew up in this town, mm-hmm. and that she, you know, and that she knows this town, and she's a, a bit of a survivor. She's the one who's had to, you know, you feel like she worked really hard to get into Yale, and uh, her, the, you know, she the the affair that she ends up having. She becomes a, you know, she's the guy's nanny, right? Her babysitter. Mm-hmm. And then they end up, he's married and he sort of leads her on and they have this fair. And it's, again, it's very kind of mature. I had never seen anything like that in a a movie, you know, where that was handled in a way that wasn't like so provocative. It was weird, you know, um, and I and it still holds up to this day. When I watched it again, I thought, you know, that's an experience that really that people really do, you know, do have. Yeah. Um, Reminiscent again of a lot of, it just reminded me of a lot of experiences I had when I was, you know, when I was younger.
0: Yeah. So the last genre I want to touch on is the Dark Suburbia Redux. Um, Yes. (laughs) It might be, it might be recency bias because I was born in 1993, but uh, (laughs) these are the types of films that I was more familiar with. These are the ones that I've seen. Some of them I love, like The Ice Storm, which is just gorgeous. Um, Revolutionary Road, which is so depressing and so sad.
1: Yeah, oh my God.
0: It's so sad. And then Rachel Getting Married, which is one of my all-time favorite films, full of some of my favorite performances. Um, But all three of these films and several others that you mentioned do kind of posit Connecticut in the late 20th and then 21st century as this suffocating place Mm -hmm. of just like imminent doom (laughs) <laughs> Nothing good is going to come of anything here. Right. People right. die in almost all these movies. And I'm just like wondering, why do you think it's this place even now, even today where, because you also mentioned Land of Steady Habits, which came out only like three years ago or four years ago. Thoroughbreds was recent too. Why is it this place still that people feel is a good location or home to this kind of mentality why are there no happy connecticut movies anymore
1: it's just except for like i said now it's like it's either hallmark yeah and, or if 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 a filmmaker that's what i write if a yeah. filmmaker wants to connote emptiness something really bad is going to happen to these people you send them right to connecticut and we know it, it's going to be <laughs> like, something awful is going to happen
0: it's so weird
1: um but my theory is, is that it begins with the stepford wives that it starts that's the through line i try to tell in the book is the swimmer starts to deconstruct things there's another movie called loving that very very dark film um and then you get the stepford wives and the stepford wives is is just like you know the the opening scene where he takes his wife he's in the you know she's looking out the i, I describe it as like she's looking out the window like a, a dog being brought to a kill shelter you know we know something really horrible is going to happen to her and it happens in Connecticut and also the way that the film was shot it, it then created it's almost like when people do old movies and they give it a weird orange tint like we're in old timey now so let's give everything in a a little strange orange orange tint (laughs) now when we are in uh suburbia of the past everything is you know uh sumptuous production values lots of every film has somebody looking through a gigantic picture window with the woods reflected on them so it's like it it it's this you know it's this prison people talk slower like in revolutionary road the the soundtrack is like this booming it's beautiful but it's very dark everybody talks suddenly very slowly you know (laughs) unlike the movies of the of the actual period, like man in the gray flannel suit that are very visceral. Nobody is, you know, and there's not this, you know, overly painted, I guess, sort of quality to all the films. Now that's not to say I don't love them and they're, they're all, you know, really great, but they're almost like art installations uh, almost beyond, um, you know, beyond the, the aside from the film they're all elegantly production designed everybody's wearing very mod clothing <laughs> you know they live in really groovy houses and you know but but really bad things are are happening i mean as i said my theory is it goes with the Stefford, it goes with the Stefford wives and i don't think we are we have not And part of the reason of the book was to say, like, okay, we we've come to the end of the road of this. We have we're so much more like we need to go back to Stanley and Iris and Mystic Pizza and all some of a lot of these other movies. It's like it's not just this one little corner of of Connecticut, um, because they're talking about. America, but they're using Connecticut. And right. and, and it, it you know, it's a little jarring. It's like, it's not that bad here, is
0: it? <laughs> I do think people who aren't from here, or at least maybe who don't still live here, do think it's that bad. And so it's up to people like us to be like, no, it's I promise it's not that bad. It's really, I know, really I not. Know. Um, I think Connecticut gets a pretty a pretty bad rap sometimes. So, you know, it's not oh. that bad, guys. It's not that bad.
1: Yeah, I mean, well, that's what all the other movies are, right. are, you know, are for. And in fact, one of the films I talk about, Revolutionary Road, they watched the ice storm and they realized they had an identical scene of uh, the wife. In both cases, uh, in in Ice Storm, there's a scene with um, the lead actress where the husband brings her home and they end up having sex in their car, mm. and um, and then the same scene happens in Revolutionary Road. Literally, the exact same scene. It was the same. A husband takes her home and she has you know sex with the neighbor, and the and mm-hmm. and they re- they realized to their horror it was actually so they had to go back and restage the scene mm. to make it different than the ice storm um so again we're talking about filmmakers perceptions like do they think that every housewife in Connecticut is really unhappy and don't take her home because you'll end up having sex with her <laughs> in the car you know I don't know it's a but we believe it you know and the 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 idea of the book is why do we believe it are there elements of this that are that are true or is it a metaphor you know um for your unhappiness and we'll believe it more if it's connecticut in the same way that alfred hitchcock thought let's make them go to rich kids that went to yale as opposed to being from chicago (laughs) yeah why was it more sinister to make them be from connecticut than from chicago but it but it works somehow you know yeah
0: it's an intriguing thing to unpack and it's like an endless road you could go down with that kind of thing yes Um, yeah okay so to wrap up i jotted down some rapid fire connecticut questions for you um first of all you're you're like oh no i know hope i can Um, don't
1: ask me why it's called nutmeg steak. No, no, not
0: know. a bat, not, not that kind of question. Okay. Um, I couldn't answer that either. Don't worry. Um, what is your favorite coffee shop here?
1: Wow. That is tough. I, I feel like I'm going to insult somebody <laughs> if I.
0: What's one I'm of, gonna, what's one of your favorites? Put it that way.
1: I really love, uh, Chester. Well, cause you know, I ride bikes and, uh, the, um, simon's marketplace down in chester mm. it's pretty awesome but uh but i i you know
0: i i love chester i used to work in a school in chester
1: yeah Ch- i mean chester is great essex has some great towns i look you know middletown has Clicola. so
0: oh geez you thought you were gonna i forgot about this question you thought you were gonna piss people off with your coffee question i was gonna ask Uh-oh. what your favorite pizza is
1: oh pizza
0: that's probably not a fair question but i I have my answer and i don't i don't care i don't care what people say are
1: you are you going with pepe's or i'm not i'm not
0: going with pepe's okay so so okay so for me (laughs) maybe maybe it's because i'm maybe it's because i'm 30 years old i don't know but i go with bar in new haven
1: okay i don't know them i like their pizza a lot
0: and if i'm not talking new haven mondo pizza in middletown it's pretty good. I love, good. Yeah, I love Mondo. Yeah, they're um, nice. But what I don't about go a, with Pepe's?
1: What about Otto's in Chester?
0: I don't see. I don't know autos.
1: Oh, okay. So they do, you know, fire. What is it? Wood. Yeah. Fire burnt. Yeah, they're they're pretty good. Okay. Um. What about? Let me see. What else? What about? What about seafood? Like fried seafood? I, there's Let's only see, one.
0: I know. That's not like my game. That's not my bag. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I got it. The uh to me the 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 fried clams at uh Lenny and Joe's in Westbrook is my is my absolute favorite. That's but good to know. You cannot get a bad seafood meal in Niantic. I love Niantic. Niantic. Niantic is just I love it. Again, that's you only have to live here to know that Niantic is a great, great food town. And they've got good pizza too.
0: Yeah. They also have a lovely bookstore, the book barn but yeah, i have to go oh, oh, yeah, i'm gonna fun. be
1: going every i'll be going every <laughs> book yeah right I, I i stopped in i just i my i had a couple friends and we drove to westport and i said i'm gonna go with the barnes and noble you know just to see if they have my book and they, they only had one copy left <laughs> i'm so excited
0: that's fun yes
1: yeah, so i signed it
0: um let's see any thoughts on gilmore girls uh, speaking of ct tv
1: that's funny because i actually know one of the uh, writers of of gilmore girls hmm. uh i was not uh, you know again on the gilmore girls girls bandwagon because i didn't know i didn't necessarily know that they were from connecticut but recently w- once i found out my my friend had written in it um you know i'm i'm pro i'm pro gilmore girls do you think they got it right i mean they made it in Hollywood.
0: Um, I don't think yeah. it's
1: necessarily so accurate.
0: No, there are things that are accurate and there are things that are wildly inaccurate. Like my yeah. my my husband and I watch it, you know, we've watched it a few times because we just it's like comfort viewing. And you know, <laughs> they'll say something. We're like, that's not right. That's not right at all. Um, you know, like distances between places are always way off. Um, there's they hate New Haven. They're so mean about New Haven on that show. I don't know why. Um but they get some of it right. I think they get sort of small town Connecticut whimsy yeah. a little bit right. They get um, private school, public school sort of classism. I think right. Yeah. Um, so they get they do get some right. I think they did some good research. But there's always some things that were like, mm, I don't know.
1: <laughs> the uh, well, you know, New Haven. There's a Steven Soderbergh film. I'm blanking on which one it was but um it's george clooney is it michael clayton maybe oh where? uh well this was one of those things like brad pitt says to him how do you like living in east haven and you know he goes it's shitty you know <laughs> like i said okay what like how yeah. did they get away you know so that's like an example of like i'm in the movie theater going well, what yeah uh-huh. and uh <laughs> Connecticut also pops up in the movie Jaws. Oh, does it? Yes. It's like this very, in the very beginning of the movie. I think it's after the girl has been found dead on the beach, right? So it's like, and Roy Scheider is interviewing the kid and he says something to the effect of, I'm from, I'm from Hartford. I go to Trinity. And it's just like, again, my, I was like, what? That's such an inside little Yeah. But the writer is Peter Benchley. Now I don't know did he maybe he went to he must have got he it yeah. is so inside.
0: Yeah. But
1: in the way that I have um snuck in many many times in movies Connecticut. There's a scene in uh, Cape Fear after I'm after I've been beaten up and I'm in the hospital, and Nick Nolte says something to me like, You know, what will you do now? And I said, oh, I'm going to go home to Connecticut. <laughs> <laughs> so I always throw it in there. That's funny. It's like a little in joke, you know? Yeah.
0: Um, all right. Last one. What is uh, one or two movies that you just were not able to work into the book?
1: Uh, it's so sad. Well, definitely Beetlejuice. There's a whole. That
0: I was mean, my number one. Oh, it was. <laughs> yeah
1: because it's so hard that i didn't i you go down this path of okay well if i put in beetlejuice then why didn't i put in sleepers or why you know or a movie where they shot the interiors in the film you know Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. um I finally had this compromise where I wrote a chapter called Connecticut cameos because I thought, well, how did they use the the film in a, in a sort of a clever way? So like in all about Eve, we know they're in Connecticut and we see like one little shot of New Haven, but then they're in, you know, rear screen projection and we see there, but the whole scene major scene in the movie takes place at the Taft Hotel. Yeah. And what was what's strange about the Taft Hotel is it's so accurate because that is where the actors would have stayed, you know, in the 40s when they were doing these out of town tryouts. So that makes it like the a Connecticut cameo or, you know, uh Indiana Jones, you know, Crystal Skull. I was like I'm going to get hammered you know, if I don't put this movie in, he's like, (laughs) you know, he, yes, they use sort of use new Haven, but I almost was like, not going to include it in this. The same thing I said, well, if I, it starts to become a different book, if I'm just list, you know, a movie just like Michael Clayton, because he says East Haven, is is that a Connecticut movie? And so as I was, and, and there was a few movies that didn't make the book and I felt really bad just because I didn't think they were very good movies. And mm. I, I, so I just thought, do you include a movie that is not very good just to say, here's another Connecticut yeah. movie. Yeah. And I wanted it to, you know, kind of a tell, tell a story. And so there were certain films that, you know, that I just decided I'm not going to, You know, I'm I'm not going to put in. They didn't. They didn't fit in my own. You know, kind of criteria for what I think. You know, to uh, but certainly I welcome other people. They can they can (laughs) do a sequel and do all the do all the ones I missed.
0: Thank you very much. Thank you for speaking with me about everything connecticut in the movies or everything we could fit into to just over an hour um i hope people check out the book it's called connecticut in the movies you can find it in your bookstores or online it is about that very topic but also so much more um thank you very much for your time i really really appreciate it i had fun
1: oh thank you me too and hopefully i'll see you at rj julia's or one I, of yeah the
0: i would places. like to go to one of the events i'll find one i can go to i know a few years ago you were the the oh that was my dog I know a few <laughs> years ago you were the like Grand Marshal at the Middletown Pride, and that was yes. like the one year I couldn't go
1: that was, was like, that was the first that was the first year,
0: yeah, I've gone I have gone since then, and it is fun. It's a fun event.
1: My friend got me involved, and it was like th- nothing was planned, and they uh, <laughs> I, 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 I was I, I was a nervous wreck. They were like, you're going to be introducing the governor. <laughs> there was like a drag queen i was like wait a minute i don't know anybody's name can you write these names down <laughs> talk about doing something on the fly but yeah. it, uh, but it was fun it was, yeah it was, it was fun to do gotta do more of that in connecticut and you know
0: oh yeah yeah for sure I, My
1: my friend and i are always talking about there needs to be more of like a cabaret type place on main street i would love that I know we're, well, I'm trying to force him into it. I could only, (laughs) I said, I'll do stuff part time. If you guys do the heavy lifting, you know, but
0: (laughs) anyway. Well, anyway, yeah. If you're in state, check out uh, Ileana's website. There are some speaking engagements about the book coming up and there will probably be more to come. Um, And yeah, check out the book. Thank you very much for your time today.
1: Thank you. The last thing I was going to say is, yes, they can look on my I have a Facebook page, Connecticut in the Movies, and all of my events are listed up there, including um, the Kate and November mm. 15th. I'll be there with Colin McEnroe. So that'll oh, be a lot. Oh.
0: Yeah, that'll be fun. Cool. Yeah. You all get right. Fun. For
1: the, so for the ticket, you get a free book. So come on. Christmas well, is a, coming.
0: That's a good deal. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Better than Jimmy Webb. He's not giving anything away for <laughs> God's sakes. <laughs> anyway. And all on right, that great note. <laughs> on that note. Okay, great talking to you.
0: Yeah, you too. Thank you. Okay. Bye bye. So Bye-bye. long.